All the, all the audio on? Yep. You sure? Yep. All right. We are back, Savage Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Chad George. Today, I have a longtime friend of mine, Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Chris Crail. What's going on, my man? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm stoked yeah. to finally get you on. We've been talking about it for a long time, and yeah. um, now we finally got a chance to chill out. We've, we've got this set up at my house now. It's perfect. And it's comfy. Yep. Yeah. Got you right in the middle of San Pedro. <laughs> I've you... actually been here a few times. It's kind of it's it's nice though. I like it. The weather's great today, so oh, you can't it's, beat it's, it. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. I took my um my, my wife and the baby out for a walk. There's this park over here that we just found. I mean, it's like the one right back here. It's on. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right back here. Yeah, right next to the crackheads yeah. and the. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, there's actually it is. It's funny you pointed that right. Yeah, it is. It's about a mile and a half, two miles, uh, back that direction. But I mean, it's got waterfalls it's got um, streams it's got turtles it's okay. got ducks it was like really cool right in the middle of the uh, little san pedro area so it was kind of cool yeah it's a it's a nice little city it yeah looks it like is it's coming up it got a lot of new buildings coming in and yeah did you see they, they just built this thing across the street we were just talking about it that um you know eight hundred nine hundred thousand dollars for like these uh single family homes easy Easy, easy. <laughs> hey, maybe for you. You know, I'm on that fighter life budget. So. Oh man, everything's so expensive. It, it's right? crazy. It's... You look at the homes here for eight or nine hundred thousand dollars. You know, for I'm from where I'm from, Sacramento. I mean, that'll buy a block. You know, you can get a block of nice, custom built houses. You, you used to, I think. Right. No, no, still like yeah. I could have a house built right now in Sacramento for four hundred thousand dollars in a in a nice area. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I, th- I think it's I mean, time to move back to Sac. <laughs> I uh, I bought uh, my second house. I bought. I I paid two fifty for it, right? And I was like, oh man, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. <sighs> what city is that in? Whittier. Whittier. Yeah. What's it worth now? Uh, they sold the house next door for seven ninety. Not a bad. Uh, but here's, here's the funny thing: you sell it for that, you still can't go buy a house. It's all real. I think it's all. I mean, you you at some point you have to make the investment, right? Yeah. But it's. Um, I honestly, I look at those like a uh, million dollar mortgages and I'm like, well, unless you had a house you sold and you put exactly. a down payment, yeah. but yeah, but where's the gain, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to have something that you were like, okay, I'm taking this yeah. and applying it to that. Yeah. But I, I think the real problem in the city is actually these apartments or these, uh, you know, these multiplex condos they put up because they used to be family or like, uh, you know, single family homes. Yeah. And yeah. so now in a place where you would have, let's say even if you had two houses on a lot, you had a family, let's just call it a family of 10, right? Right, Five in each house. Now you got, you know, 10 times that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that just adds to all the problems, and we're starting to see those come to light now with all this uh, pandemic stuff going on. Man, right? so. this is it's crazy, especially like you see that. I remember when they, they just finished this property, right when the pandemic hit. This one here. This one here. Uh-huh. So they, they just started doing the open houses. I want to say like the week of the pandemic. And you know there is nobody's spending the money for that right now. I think if you have the money, you spend it, right? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be on that. Well, th- then we start getting into the whole thing where how many people are really faking the funk? How yeah, many well, people really have the money? How many don't, right? Because well, as you know, social media, yeah. you can be anything you want to be on there. Well, faking the funk is a thing that's actually pretty interesting you bring that up because like right now, you see all these people that have been faking things for so long that when this kind of thing happens, they get exposed, they disappear, they start hiding underneath rocks, and they start pointing fingers and blame. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those people have so much invested in one thing. Yeah. Right? And I think, you know, the, the mo- one of the most important qualities you can have in life is being diverse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Having, having a couple things you can fall back in case things get hard. But if you have all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, it's really hard. You know, like diversity is such a big thing. We talk about it a lot on the show. You know, you got to be able to know where you're going with something, how to transition to that, know when your time is up on one thing, how to go from the next. You know, for, for me, I've known you for a long time. I know a lot about you, but um, tell tell our friends out there like a little bit about you. I mean, you know, like Crail works for the California State Athletic Commission where a lot of people in the industry are like, oh, it's Crail from the commission, but there's so much more about this guy that the average person just doesn't know. I know it, and that's why I wanted to get him on the show. So the, uh, uh, yeah. introduce yourself. So our, so, so my name's Chris Crail. So I, I've, I've been called Crail my whole life. Um, I told you the story is uh, when I was in kindergarten, there was five other Christophers, right? So nobody ever had my last name. Um, so I just got caught Crail through... Uh, through elementary school, junior high school, and high school. I wrestled through high school, and so you, you get called by your last name, and and then it just kind of stuck. But uh, I, I always tell people, 
I, I've got the like the weirdest life because I'm mixed, right? So, um, I grew up in a mixed household when it wasn't cool to be mixed, right? And I've had all these bad things like that that were put in my basket that probably should have kept me down. But when I I was mixed, I came from a single parent household. I have the whitest name. I grew up speaking Spanish. My mom's Spanish though was my mom was from El Salvador, right? So my, my Spanish was Central American Spanish, which wasn't wasn't favored too well by Mexicans where I grew up in this city full of Mexicans. So I always grew with these issues of identity and I think those are all they those all shape you a bit, right? Because I, I, I didn't learn English till the second grade. I was in ESL classes oh, wow. my whole life, yeah. So but um most people hear my name, they they assume I I speak fluent English my whole life. But I Spanish was my first language. Right, I didn't know it. So that's new to me. Yeah, yeah. So it. it's, and so I went to school. I mean, I was always in trouble in school, and for a good reason, right? I, I grew up in the streets, and and everybody wants to like uh, make it seem like it's cool. It's not cool, right? And uh, the streets will chew you up and spit you out. Now, right? where where was that at? Which, which so uh, I was born in Long Beach. We lived in uh, Linwood. From Linwood, uh, we moved to Watts. From Watts, we moved to Maywood. From Maywood, we moved to Bell. We moved a lot. My mom couldn't so pay the Watts, rent. Watts, Maywood, and Bell, those are all very uh, very good places to grow up, right? Super, super amazing. Great, <laughs> great diversity. <laughs> but, you know, they all, they all test you a little bit. And unfortunately, all those things you go through in life when you're young really shape who you are, right? Like, w- one, of the, one of the big things I always tell people is, like, I, I grew up dirt poor. And even though I've made more money now, like I've been a lot, I've had more money in my life than I've had poor years in my life, but I've always resort to being poor, right? I don't, I don't wear anything super fancy. I don't, I mean, I can buy it. I just don't, I don't drive a fancy car. I, I do like occasionally when you see me at a show, I'll do wear a nice shirt or a suit or shirt or something like that. But I, I kind of like that, right? <laughs> I always tell people, I don't want my, my best day. I don't want my best day to be in a casket. Right, like yeah. you don't want your best dressed day to be in a casket. See, my wife's exactly opposite. I'll go play. She's like, "Can you put on something a little nicer? Like that's disgusting." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I probably should." Yeah, I, you know, so it's just kind of it's one of those things I think. And so I went to school, I was in trouble, started wrestling in school. Probably say like, I always feel that there's, um, I can, I at least I can remember three teachers who probably saved my life. Right, like uh, I remember one from elementary school. Um, I remember my PE teacher from uh, the sixth grade, Mr. Kasem, that pulled me aside one time because these kids were bullying me and he knew it. Like he knew I was going to, I was getting ready to blow up, you know? And he pulled me aside and he says, hey man, I see what they're doing. Don't let them get to you, you know? And then I, I had um, my, actually my wrestling coach in high school. Like, and I say, those three people really saved my life, right? Because sometimes I think, Everybody can use some hand or guidance or anything like that right. in life. Just, you know, to make sure you're on the right path because you can deviate fairly quick. Super easy. Right. Super. And, and, and anything, right? And I always tell people, like, you're essentially one mistake away from a different life. I, I call it the shiny object syndrome. Where it's like you could be, you can be on one path and all of a sudden a shiny object you see. Yeah. And you look off and all of a sudden that just took you another path. And when you went to turn back to what you were doing... You either forgot or it's or it's left. Yeah. And then you go right back to that shiny object and then you start chasing that. Yeah. But it, it's it's definitely one of those things that you have to be aware of, right? Yep, absolutely. But the but the mind I think I read one one of your things I always read that that stuck out to me. I think you were we were it was one of your posts and you were talking about leveling up. Oh, it was a recent one. Yeah, recent one. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was a recent one. Yeah, so leveling up, right? And we were talking about leveling up. And I think what happened is and and I'm guilty of this too, but we got caught up in the negativity of the COVID and the hype, right? Man. And, and you know, and that's actually like when I read that post, I said, oh, you know, I, I get it, right? We do need to level up and change our mentality. But sometimes it's good to let people know that we're human. Right. Right. And here's the thing. So we're human and we have all these emotions and we're all affected financially, physically, mentally from what's going on. And it takes a toll on us. And then we're on social media and it's just, you know, Adding salt to the wound, adding salt to the wound, right? And then what I took away from your leveling up is sometimes you have to know when to cut things off. Sometimes those things could be social media. Sometimes they're people. But you have to know when you're like, 
okay, this is not bringing any value to my life. Zero, right? Zero. And social media has become, you know, what they call complain media because no one's being social on there anymore. No, no. It's, right? it's crazy. You could, put, you, could, you could open up right now. Any one of us could open our phone right now, and the first five things that we're going to see is somebody complaining. About something. About something, about somebody. Everyone's yeah. an expert. You know, we talk about it, you know. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I started off on the commission when I, when I started working on the commission. Um, one, one story that most people don't know when I first got the job there. Uh, so Mike Beltran helped me get into the commission, right? So uh, he helped me get in, but he opened the door, but it's your work ethic that really keeps you somewhere, right? If I, w- if I was not a hard worker, I'm sure I would not be where I'm at, right? But... I remember when I when I first got approved to be a commissioner. Now I was a an inspector for the the amateurs for five years. You know, people don't know this. I would work shows, five six hour shows, and make fifty bucks, right? So you don't do it for the money. You really, I I honestly did it because I loved it, right? But when I uh, when I got my license to be a CSAC inspector, I re- I remember it was somebody who owned a, a gi company, a, a pretty prominent gi company at the time, and I had posted a picture. And uh, it was me holding my, my, my CSAC emblem. And he says, like, why, why do you want to do that? Those people are horrible. And I was like, what is this guy talking about, right? And then you start seeing, like, there's a different mentality from somebody who actually trains and competes to somebody who doesn't. And those things are necessary in a competitive sport. Right. Right? Because I don't think if you've never trained or competed, and I don't care if it's a triathlon, a bike event, anything, if you've never trained and competed and lost, then you don't know what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I think I, I've, always, I've always reflected back and I, when I had a fighter and he was just mad or pissed or he's coming in and he's cussing and kicking. I was just like, well, this guy was cool when he walked in. Right? So you got to give people some time to calm down and get their bearings back because nobody goes out there to lose. Yeah. Even if you're a journeyman, I don't really care. I don't think anybody... Goes signs that dotted line to get inside a cage and fight somebody, knowing they're gonna lose. Like everybody has a little glimmer of hope that they're gonna win, right? And so sometimes that glimmer is just ripped away from you very quick. Very quick, or you're just in over your head. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you, you know. I mean, we've seen that. You rec- went in there with with the intentions of winning. For you the went most part. for the most part, right? right? Now that now, granted, I've seen some people who don't, and you know, they pay the price for it. But it's very. Uh, few and far between that's what get media coverage though right, right? when they say yeah. but i think most people go in there l- looking to win and so when you lose you if you don't compete then you don't know you have to sit back and be like all right let this person calm down <clears throat> let let them get their bearings back and they're going to be the same person they are when they walked in you know yeah but i think that's something that a lot of people don't realize like with you being a competitor in wrestling you're also a jiu-jitsu black belt um, you've been involved in the sports and you've competed at very high levels where a lot of, I'm not even going to say the referees because that's one aspect. I'm not even going to say like the, the higher ups in the athletic commissions have never uh, been involved in high level sports themselves um, or they've never actually competed at a high level, which I think to me as, a, as an athlete that has been there. Like, I have way more respect for the guys that I know that have been there, and I'll listen to you as a referee because I'm like, okay, he understands it a bit rather than a guy that's just like, I'm, what does he know about what I'm going through? Yeah. Well, you know how that goes when you judge, though, right? But yeah. that's, that, that <laughs> judging judging is, a, is a whole other aspect, and that's, I should have actually directed it towards there. Yeah. Because it's crazy. You watch these guys that are judges, and I know you get a lot of slack for it because they say, you know, like... Hopefully I'm not speaking out of, out of my, my, my line, but you know that you're, you're too comfortable with the athletes because you know them too well. I, I've never heard that, but I don't really. Right, honestly, but, here, here's a great thing. Like I, I suck at remembering people's names. It's, no, but, it's, they, but they assume you do because, I, because you've actually trained. Yeah, but you know, I always, I, here's what I always tell people. Like, I suck at remembering people's names. Sometimes like, so, if it wasn't for some social media, I wouldn't remember some people's names. But... Yeah. I, I have nothing invested in a fighter, win or lose. Isn't that funny? I don't, I don't care. Like, I want the person who meets the criteria to win that round. Listen, I've, here, talk, I've talked to you after fights where you've refed against my guys. And I, I wanted your understanding of why, how did we lose that fight. And you broke it down to me. 
but I think that's important to no, have those conversations, absolutely. right? Like, that, I think it's important. And, yes. some, and sometimes you have to listen to the fighter's perspective and be like, why oh, did this, this, and this? Yeah. Right? But I always feel like if you can break a round down minute by minute, it's, it's still going to be hard for a fighter to say, like, oh, no, I lost, man. But there's a lot of criteria, and, it, and it's changing. The sport's changed from five years ago. Oh. The one thing that always gets me is when I hear someone says, like, get the takedown. The takedown wins the fight. A takedown does not win a fight. You know what's funny? My guy, I, we just fought in South Dakota, and I actually thought we were going to lose the fight because of a takedown. Um, that happened the last 30 seconds of the first round. Uh, we won rounds. Uh, we won the entire round. I called for a bad for it wasn't bad. I called for us to get a takedown just to, to solidify the round, uh-huh. and we missed it. And the guy ended up on our back with 30 seconds when the whole um, exchange started. Ended up on our back, and I was like, "Oh my god, I just lost us this round." And then we ended up winning the fight. But to me, I was like, I was I was shitting bricks because I was like, "Oh my god, I called for that," and that because of that, even though we won. Four minutes and four, you know, forty seconds of that fight. This was a round, an LFA fight at, at LFA. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of just. Uh, they're always the the especially California does a great job of training officials. I know most people don't know this, but every Thursday for the last, you know, two months we've had weekly trainings with the commission. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we go online, watch some fights. Um, I know I've had a video that that was a, a topic of conversation for a while. Yes, I was actually an inspector on that fight. <laughs> I was actually the first one in to walk in on that fight, I remember. Because I remember a lot of people telling me that that was a video of, uh, like, they, they had to break down what, what, what should have been the answer. Well, well how th- would you have approached this? It should have been. Yeah, I think what they looked at is, like, definitely people need to be trained on things, right? Yeah. And as the sport evolves, you got to be trained on what the new move is, how it works. Is it, you know, I mean, just look at uh, um, yesterday's fights, right? Olinenki, Olinenki, the the guy that chokes everybody from the guard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the guy that fought um, uh, Derek Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like how weird is that, right? He chokes you from the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's one of those things where you you just got to be aware of what's going on so you can protect that fighter. Yeah, it's crazy. But you know, on that topic, you know, it's crazy because you have these referees that have never trained a day of jujitsu in their life. And as as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, I, almost, I can almost consider myself a representative of jiu-jitsu. It's hard for me to accept a call from, from one of those referees because, or uh, those judges because it's like you don't know what goes into that position for us to be able to like control or move or what's even happening. Yeah. And for you to judge it some way, it's like you're, you're, you're doing a guest a, guess, a guesstimation on what's actually needed to, to achieve that position. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's pros and cons. I don't, I don't know. I think if you judge enough fights, you learn, right? But it's, I'd it's say just, some. I, I do. I think you learn some. But I think there's a lot of judges who do train or who are aware of something. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that's, you, you know, the, the weird thing that everyone, I always hear people, they'll complain about scores, judges, referees. But none of them want to go through the process to become one. Yeah. Right? Because that process is not overnight. Yeah. You know, I think people want to be like, oh, I want to judge a UFC till you get there. Right? And then when, when you're on the line and you're watching the fight and someone's livelihoods depends on what you're scoring, yeah. it's a little yeah. different, right? Yeah. And, and you can go look up any judge's name. They're assigned yeah. commissions, right? You can go see who they are, how they rank or whatnot. But it's definitely everyone wants to do it. So you have to put the work in. But that's with everything, right? Like that's, we, yeah, 100%. We, we, that's, that's with everything, That's one of the things yeah. we talk about all the time is that the process is actually what's going to get you to these other destinations. But people don't want to do the process. No. And they want the results. They want the glamour. They want the, they want the clout. They want to be held as the man. But they don't want to do the work that actually is needed to get there because they can see people like average person, right? You watch two fighters fight. Oh, I, I could do that. No, you couldn't. No. <laughs> no, no, you couldn't. Just because that guy went out there and got knocked out in one punch, you think you could knock him out in one punch? No. Not, e- not even a- leg kicks, right? Like, I look at people like, oh, sometimes I'll hear people saying, like, this is why I don't like watching fights in public places, right? I hear people like, worst. oh, that didn't hurt. And I'm like, oh, dude. Like, I guarantee you, if someone come over here and leg kick you once, 
see how you're going to react. It's going to hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Those guys are just, you know, they're just mentally different. And I don't think that's what people realize, right? Like when you talk smack to a fighter, yeah, some, some are really great. Like their PR is good. They talk to people, but that's still a fighter, right? And it doesn't take much, right? Like it doesn't take much. I mean, we know this, right? Like somebody could set you off right away. And it's just, you have to understand the mindset and appreciate the mindset for what they're putting their body through. You know, and I think that's where also is, is the, the mindset, like a fighter, right? I have my, my junior athletes that I, that I work with all the time, and I have to constantly explain to them that this is a, a long-term process that you're getting yourself involved in. It's not going to be just because <laughs> you've been training hard for a year, you're going to be in the UFC and then making all this money that you're gonna, you're, it's gonna change your life. It doesn't work that way. You know, you're gonna have to put in one year, two years. In fact, I use this, this breakdown. I say, okay, your first four years of, of actual grinding is your education period. So now it just, I'm using it like along the same lines of schooling. Yeah. Right? Your first four years going to college is, is the education to figure out if this is what you wanna do. Then, after you've grinded for four years, you have another four years to actually be engaged in the sport to see if you're going to make it somewhere. Now you're eight years in. If you've been able to do something in eight years, you might be able to get that chance to might. make something happen. And that's how not long. Even how long was your? How long was your? Uh, when you started fighting? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's a, it was a different time. What are you trying to say? That. It was a different time. <laughs> He's trying to say the, that I'm old. When, 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 no, when, it's just it's <laughs> no, so different now, man. Right? It's like, crazy. Like different. right now, you can find a gym that'll train you. Yeah. Right. Like yep. someone can come yep. to CMMA and be like, "Hey, I want to be a fighter," and you'd be yep. like, "Okay, let's go through the me. process. Let's yeah. go through the evaluation." Yeah. Right. And you can guide someone, cater. Yeah. You can get them. A, well, I don't know right now, but you can get them a fight. Yeah. Right. Back in the day, you had to find a gym. You yeah. had to. There was a few crazy guys. Everyone looked at him as crazy. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Right? I, rem- I remember when I first started, there was this guy in my gym, and you know there was no fights because it was illegal in California, so that's kind of where you were going with this, Yeah, that he knew all the names and all the stats of these guys that were in the UFC at the time. And I, it, I was like, what do you study this stuff? Like, yeah. where do you get this information? That is absolutely crap. I've seen like two fights. Yeah. Like, how do you know any of this? It's not even accessible anywhere. Yeah. And uh, he goes, no, I just, you know, I just follow it. And I know these things. I was like, cool. And then as the years went on, the access to information got more and more yes. accessible. Yes. And I think that's the big change from then to now is like what you have access to for like these guys that are coming in the gyms now. Yeah. And you Anything, right? Moves, anything, right? Man. Before you used to have to buy DVDs or CDs with some moves. You or some- can get, you can start with nothing now. And... I'm not going to mention names, but you can get belts online now just yeah. from starting, like from studying online. Yeah. Which is, okay. There's, it, ton, there's tons of information. There's tons of information out yes. there. And that's the big change in things. But like for me, it's so different now than what it was then. You know, it's like, it's, I've, been, I've been at this game for 16 years now. And yeah, long time. 16 years. And I, I was competitive. I mean, it's been, I've been a year off from my own... Uh, fighting now since I stepped away last year. So f- I was 15 years actively competing. It's, and th- I told my guys, I said, listen, you're getting burnt out at year two? Like, that's you understand that's nothing. I know it feels no. like it's a lot right now because you're really putting everything into this, but two years in a scale of a long-term career is nothing. Well, I think it's kind of like... Um, Everybody wants that instant success, right? I always, I always kept telling people, you know, during the COVID, uh, I said, what happened to all these people? They were on social media talking about jujitsu's life and they're all canceling their gym memberships. Yep. I'm like, what happened to jujitsu's life, right? So, yep. you know, it's like, it really, it really was not your life. It was a thing you liked. Yeah, it's, I, um, it's, I, I constantly have that conversation when I was talking about my junior athletes because they're, they're losing the motivation. They're losing that fire because there are no fights. And I mean, I get it all the time. And how many times do you see a fighter that you see fight and you're like, man, he's like this, he hasn't improved. And he's the guy that tells you, oh, I'm not training unless I have a fight. Like I need to be motivated because I have a fight in the books. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I get in the gym. I mean, you probably see it all the time in your gym. Guys, you don't see them unless they've got a competition coming up. And it's like, well, you're not actually going to get better that way. Like you need that 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 fuel of the competition for you to get in there, but there's no way if you truly want to be great or if you want to be the best or if you want to make a career out of this, that's not gonna cut it. 
Like you have to be in there every single day, not making excuses, not saying, oh, there's no fights, there's no competition. You literally need to be in there every day and put in the work. Yeah, I think you, I think one of the biggest things, at least for me that I've done is you always set yourself up on a schedule. Like I, when I train, I've, I've always trained two, three times a week and I have days that people know that I'm training those days. But I, I also know that I don't put anything on my schedule. Now, occasionally I'll have a work meeting or something that I have to do, right? right. So I'm like, I can't go train. But typically... You're committed to it. You're committed to yep. it. And I think that's what you do. And I've, I mean, I've had so many injuries and I still show up to train. Yeah. Like, I remember one time I tore my groin and I literally was at the gym the next day walking. And people were like, dude, you're, the doctor's like, the doctor's probably telling you you should. And I was like, yeah, well, I feel like our bodies are meant to be in motion. Right, and I think if if you move it just a little, I'm not saying overdo it, but if you move it enough, it starts to heal itself. Yeah. Right, yeah. you know, you, but it's just one of those things. I think it's it's mentally, most people don't want to push it because it's very hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'd like to think because you know we're both in the same realm that wrestlers tend to be cut from a different cloth. You know, when you've competed wrestling your whole life. Like, injuries just seem to not matter. Like, tape and glue fixed everything for us. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're bleeding? Wrap it up. Get back out yeah. there. And I think that mentality kind of creates a callus on you that just, you're like, okay, am I, am I still breathing? Well, then I can still do something. Yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day as well. Um, because I know most of your podcasts are catered around mindset and fighters mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like... You know, you know, you know, we call it that grind, right? Where you're like, you know, get focused, keep pushing, you can do it, right? And it's really, I mean, it's our fight or flight syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. We're active, activating that adrenaline in our system. We're like, we're trying to narrow our focus and, and uh, hit to a specific task. And so I think half the time when we are doing those wrestling workouts, that's what we're training ourselves to is like, hey, let's get rid of all this extra noise. Yeah. Let's focus on the prize at hand, whether it be like, Got to finish this uh, workout in the next hour or whatever, but that's that's really what it comes down to. And I think, you know, pe- people want to call jujitsu like the gentle sport. There's nothing gentle about it. You're right? trying to break each other's arms, rip each other's limbs, choke each other out, yeah. smash each yeah. other. You got like a grown ass person laying on top of you, and you got to get them off. And it's definitely a humbling sport, right? It is. It is. Yeah, but it it depends on your mindset. Like I'll, I'll give you an idea, a, a great example. I was in class training with this big dude. And so I thought, you know, I'm like, I'm a black belt. This guy's a, a blue belt, right? So I let the dude just get me on Kessa, you know, side control. And then he freaking chokes me, right? And I sat there and I was like, ah. Oh. And he was, he was all excited. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not excited. I, I, I'll tap all the time. I don't really care, right? But I think what you do is if you don't take that situation and learn from it, you're really doing yourself a disadvantage, yeah, right? I but agree. then again, I'm at home on my phone. Okay, how do I get out of a castle when the heavy guy's on yeah. and I'm looking at different moves? Well, we saw that position last night with Derek Lewis. Oh, uh, yeah. What's his name trying to finish that castle time? Yeah. Like, oh, that, that good old catch wrestling. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was squeezing hard, man. You could tell because his arms were burning out. But let, Derek Lewis is a big dude. Huge. Huge. That was, there was some good fights on there. There was. There was. There were some good fights. I know. I, I've been, uh, just to kind of stay active because there's been no fights out here, but I've been scoring, live scoring fights on Twitter, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to see people's different score, different scores, and what they're looking at, and the criteria, you know. Yeah. And I think sometimes they'll read the scores, and they'll be like, "Oh, how'd that judge get this, or how'd that judge get that?" But I think they just knew they need to do a better job of sitting judges where they get a good seat. Because I don't know if you noticed, but sometimes they'll put the judge right by the door. Yeah, I don't understand. Like other sports, the judges actually, the referees have like a like a video camera camera panel. To where they could see everything that's going on. Yeah, I don't know why MMA doesn't have that. Um, Bellator does that. Do they? Yeah, when I've done uh, when I've judged the Bellator shores, they'll have a little camera there, and it's super nice if, uh, if they've got if they've got a uh, um, a big canvas, and then they're all the way on the other side. You can see what's going on, or if the choke looks deep or not. Because you get you know on TV, you get the benefit of every great camera angle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing it live, you don't necessarily you you've got one view, and yeah. you can only judge what you see. Yeah. Right. So, you know, body language is important. You always, uh, I always tell people, I look at the, the fighter's body language, tells you a lot, you know, how they, how they absorb a punch, how they absorb a hit, 
how, what it sounds like, right? Now it's really great. You get to hear all yeah, the sounds and yeah. the kicks. Yeah, but that's also going to be a hard choice sometimes on, on, the, on the ref because, you know, you're hearing the shots land a lot more. And it's like, do I stop it? Do I jump? Like, what do I do, you know, based on the influence of the actual sound of the shot? Well, the good, the good, refs, the good refs are always looking at the eyes, right? And I think, uh, you know, I've taken uh, Big John's command course before I got certified with the state and also Herb Dean's, but they always talk about um, intelligent defense, right? Yeah. Like, hey, is this, you know, is this guy still looking like he's in, in the fight? Is his hand stuff? Is he, is he making fighter moves? So you always, that's what I look at, too. You can look at their eyes, the way they fall, just a bunch of different things, man. There's so many dynamics in fighting. But it's... Uh, it's 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 just I find it interesting. I like it, you know. You know what's a trip about fighting right now is like, with all this stuff going on, you know, the pandemic, and gyms are closed. People aren't able to get access to their training partners. I mean, when we were in South Dakota, I heard one of the guys talking about he trained in his uh, in his basement with uh, his coach would come over a couple <clears throat> of training partners. Is like, how do you think that impacts the athletes? Well, I think it impacts everybody, right? It's 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 really you know we get back to that that mindset but i really think what's happening is there is a a fear culture that everyone's affected by everybody and and whether it's done on purpose or by accident it's something that we have to be aware of right so we talk about leveling up right, right. um i was like you i was uh i was sitting there online and i was just getting mad you know because i'm just like you know there's some people just making tons of money not working and there's some people that are still working long hours. And, and you start looking at all the data and everyone's scared and nervous. And it's like you, you have this whole fear mentality. So you have to just kind of shut it off. Like I stopped watching the news after a while because everything on the news was negative. Mm-hmm. You know, they start picking out liars. Hey, a, a young 40-year-old guy that died had nothing wrong. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. I, they're telling me one thing, but I don't know. So I stopped really watching it. And then when you start to think about it, more people die of the flu. More people die of obesity. But all these fast food chains are still open, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel like one of the great things that helps immunity is working out. So, yeah. you know, and I don't know. I feel bad. Like I went to the gym, uh, you know, I have the dual membership, but I went to the gym when they opened up and I had to make an appointment on the app and you go there and they give you an hour to work out. And then they kick you out, and then they clean everything for half hour, and then they allow people in. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of sad for, for those people because they're doing everything they can. Like jujitsu gyms. Man, jujitsu gyms are fairly clean because you know if you don't have a clean gym, you're going to have staff. Yeah, and especially right worm. now, the, the precautions that gyms are taking now. J- just be, even before this, gyms are clean. Yeah. yeah, some people don't like the smell, but those are people who are not used to being in the gym. Right, yeah. Right? You, you can have a bunch yeah. of people working out, and... And you know as well as I know, somebody came into the gym dirty or something, you check them on the side and be like, hey, man, like, you got to make sure you work something clean next time. Yeah. And There's a lot more people involved, right? So gyms are fairly clean. After all, all the COVID stuff, gyms are even cleaner. So why they shut down the gyms, I don't know, yeah. right? If the problem really was at bars, they should have just cut the bars. But yeah. they kind of did this whole blank slate. And there's a lot of people that lose their livelihood. I don't think people realize like a gym like yours, right? It takes you months and months to build up leads. And let's say you got 100 leads, maybe 10 of those will show up, and yep. maybe you'll sign up two or three. Yep. Right? Yep. That's, that's not much. that's not a, a one-week process. No. No. And, you know, especially for us, like, we're, we're a competition-driven gym, right? So a lot of our marketing is because we're out there constantly yeah. competing. And now we don't have that. We don't have our guys out there. And essentially, the longer my gym and other people's gyms are closed – as this goes on, there is a less and less likelihood of reopening because of what it costs to actually keep that door open. If the members aren't signing up and if we're losing those leads, we do not have the funding to be able to keep yeah. the electricity on. Yeah. And it's it, it's this trickle-down effect because even for us, being a competition-driven gym, we bring on like our athletes to teach the classes because it supplements their income while they're in between fights. So while there's no fights, yeah. we are unable to pay them because there's no classes. Yeah. So now it's this whole explosion of, uh, or domino effect of people that are being affected, yeah. not just because of the gym, it becomes livelihoods 
that are being affected, and there is no there's no help for anybody that's uh, uh, being yeah. affected. Well, there's a I mean, there's tons of negative things that we can look at, right? Yep. But I'll tell you one of the positive things that I like is it makes you realize what's important. One hundred percent. Right. I 100%. think. And I think I think sometimes, I mean, it's definitely easy for any of us to fall into that negative. Yeah. That negative fear model, right? And it's out there everywhere. You hear somebody cough, and we're all like, right? Yeah. But I think one one of the things it makes you realize who's important, what's important. Yeah. Yep. And you know how much, you know. People were just spending money doing things they really don't need to do. Yeah. Well, thinking of what's important, you know, like right now, you know, I have, I have a son now. You know, he's three months old. Yeah. And I get to actually spend more time with him because of this. And those critical stages, and too. Those cri- yeah. Man, I had no idea how critical those stages were. You know, you, you hear about it, but until you're in it, I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine not being there for not only my girl, but for him during, during those yeah. first, even now. You know, it's cool to see him start being more aware and he's a little, yeah. you know, he can have his own little space. But that, that mind, it's, the, you know, we always talk about mindset, but isn't it so weird, right? Like you have this little, little life that you get to mold into something, right? And it's that cool to just... see every little thing that he acquires now yeah. become a part of him. Right? Shapes their personality, Man. who they are. It's kind of, I don't know. I think it's kind of crazy. I think we limit our brain sometimes, right? It is a true. We also, talking about that appreciation of things, when you watch a kid, a child, an infant, newborn, right? When was the last time we actually stopped and thought that everything that we do is a learned action? Everything. Well, everything. From, from, but we don't, we don't actually give time to appreciate the fact that you doing this is a skill that you have acquired. This is a skill. Like being able to look at you, being able to look at you, like like this is a skill yeah. that we, we've developed over, over the time and we just, we don't appreciate it anymore. Well, that's because we just, be, you know, we take it for granted, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you hear about these ADA compliant things, you know, like uh, people are like, oh, why do I gotta do this or that until you're the person in the wheelchair. Yeah. Right. Or till you realize like it's hard to reach for certain things. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, it's just one of those things I think we take it for granted. But we, we've been injured, right? Like you hurt a toe or something. You're like, oh man, I can't walk. You I'm know. Train. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna <laughs> train. I'll tape it up. I'll be fine. Right. But you know, I got I got eight other toes. I'm fine. Eight. Well, I'm just saying, if you hurt two, <laughs> usually, okay, it's, okay. usually it's two. I don't I know. Like, man, maybe you lost one. No, I didn't no, know. No, that. I got Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just, but I think um, we got to find little things every day to just keep you positive and motivated. You know, I went went back to school, probably one of the best things I did, you know? I went back, I actually just finished all my sub work, I'm getting a master's in public admin. Now, if I found out, you're getting a double, you'll have a double master's, right? Yeah, double, yeah. I'm getting one uh, in public admin, and I'm also getting one in organized leadership. That's amazing. Right, but the crazy thing is... like, and you're already established. You have a career and all that stuff. Yeah, and I have, you know, three other degrees before that. They're all in the science related, right? So, like, you know, I'm a chemist by trade, but um, it's. Uh, I think we limit ourselves, right? Like, we don't read enough. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't. All. We don't uh, surround ourselves or push ourselves to think beyond the box. Um, and I know you do a good job of motivating people to try to be positive and be positive. And sometimes you sit there and like. That's really tough because some people just don't get it. Yeah, but you know, you got to look at it as okay. Do I stop just because they don't get it? And the answer no. is no. No, never. Right. So that and that's what it is. Like for me, it's just become the way that I know how to do things. Yeah. Like this is the way my process is. It's like whether it affects and impacts one person or ten million. Like I'm still this. This is what I do now. This makes me feel feel complete. It makes me having these conversations, like, makes me like, yes, we're doing something. And so if it gets through to one person, fantastic. A hundred, that's better than zero And if it doesn't, maybe the next time will. Well, you know, somebody, um, so I always tell people, like, I've, I've, I've meal prepped, I've gone down to like 150 pounds, I've gone up to 100. Oh, I remember when you were doing all that, yeah. Yeah, I've gone up to 180 pounds, I've done it all. And people said like, oh, why do you keep posting that stuff? And I was like, just so you realize, like, you got to work out every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there's some people, whether they're gifted genetically or they're enhanced, 
however they want to get there, right? You look at them, you're like, some people can cheat the system. But just like when I look at someone, just because I, if I see someone six pack abs and ripped, I don't think that person is stronger than yeah. me. Yeah. I've, I've trained with many people who looked Adonis and you know, I grabbed them and they're like, dude, you're 10 times stronger than me. I'm like, I don't know, you're weak, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? So it's, I think there's too much emphasis put on the outside sometimes. And you have to look a little deeper at people on the inside. Now, I'm a little different. Like, my social media life is not who I am, right? And I'll, and I'll tell you this. I've done plenty when I was an inspector or judge. I've done plenty of things for people. I never asked for anything in return because I've, I was never brought up that way. I always do stuff for people if, because either I want to do it or because I feel like I can help them a little. When you start doing things, expecting something in return is when you're really doing yourself a disservice. Yep. Because you're always going to be let down when things don't go like to your expectation. Yeah, or or you think people owe you something. Yeah, like nobody owes you shit. Well, that's what I mean. Like, right? I I I, I have guys, and I'm sure you do too. That you know, like, oh my, every time I do things, I'm always getting shit on. I'm like, well, are you doing it because you 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 find um, uh, a value in actually helping people, or are you doing it because it at some point you expect something to come back? Yeah, like you can't do. And I've I've had plenty of people. Uh, disappoint me with with the fact that there was no um appreciation for what was done but then i have to check myself okay did you do this because you want to see the appreciation or you do this because you genuinely are trying to help that person there's a difference i think sometimes we want we expect more out of people we do right and i think right now is a great time we people should make the effort to say thank you or be appreciative or have a little more gratitude in yeah. life, right? Like help somebody out. Don't take a picture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. people, you know, I, I've done plenty of work, you know, where I'm at the soup kitchen and I never take my picture on my phone because I know what it feels like to be there. Yeah. yeah right? you, you don't need to glamorize it. No. And, and really, what am I there for if I'm there for a picture? Now, sometimes yeah. I, I do understand that the pictures can help because some people... Oh, wow. If that person's doing it, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Or yeah. they need a little like, hey... Yeah, I want to. I want to help. I want to help, yeah. and some people don't know how to yeah. help, right? That's true. It's the same with working out. Like, I, I post a picture. I'm not like a. I mean, I'm. In, I feel like I'm in great shape, but I'm not in the best shape. But I work out every day. Yeah. Whether I feel good or I don't. Yeah. Right. And so when I post a picture, it's really so people know, like, hey, you can't work out just for summer. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's right? got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a lifestyle. The same as jujitsu, right? Like, yeah. if you're gonna train. Be committed to training. Don't don't come two days a week, or two uh, twice a day for four weeks, and then don't show up for three months. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I you know you'd rather have somebody long term. Yeah, absolutely. As, a, as opposed to just short term. And- or also even just for like you as a training partner, like you want to make sure like I I've got dependable people around yeah. me, and that becomes a life thing too, right? Like dependability is such a a big deal. Yeah. You know, that when you know you have strong, dependable people around you that you can you can rely on. Like, I know my training partners are going to be there just like I know my actual close friends are going to be there rather than the people that just fall off when things get hard. Yeah. Uh, just finding people you have a common bond with, right? Yeah. That's yeah. important. Um, real quick, before before we get way off topic. Yeah, I'll, we're I'll, way off topic. Yeah. Um, you, you brought something up. You were talking about, you know, your double majors and stuff like that that, you, that you're coming up. And I know you recently did a... Uh, a um, uh, an experiment on social oh, media yes. and to me I, I, I'm, I'm 100% when I say this and this is something I really want to talk about if you're okay with it that like I think this is one of the best experiments that I've seen period on social media and it, w- it was awesome on, on many levels it, you know the funny thing is so I, w- I, uh, I was taking trigger words well first first before you do that tell them what your 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 um because that was your thesis, right? Yeah, it was part of my thesis, yeah. But so the principle behind it is that like um, – so my thesis was was on stress, on stress, right? So when we talk about stress, most of the time we're only talking about bad stress, which, which we call distress. But there's a whole side of good stress that we don't talk about or people don't know. It's called eustress, EU, EU stress, okay? And – the good stress is... Can you our, understand the jiu-jitsu guys listening to it? Is that oos stress? Yeah, oos. So oos. Oos stress. <laughs> yeah, oos stress, right? So, like, it's the good stress that most people can deal with. It's what pushes you to be a... To run a little farther, 
you know, do do a couple extra hours of work, finish a project. That's good stress, right? Right. So I was playing on how to how people get stressed out based on trigger words and based on how they know your personality, right? Now, if if you so I was putting these comments up and they were open ended comments, but they had trigger words. So I'll give you a great, great example. If I put the number forty five in any kind of comment about anything related to 45, some people automatically assume it's a presidential thing. And so then we start getting into the mindset where they start getting stressed about this person because they have so much hatred for somebody. And so their comment reflects it, right? And so people will look and automatically write a response based on a couple of trigger words when, when it really had no, most of my comments had nothing to do with anything. It was an open-ended question. And so I would put it on there and people would just get all fired up. You know, I would get messages, people like. Because I remember I saw some of that stuff and it, obviously right now there are so many things that you could post about to get triggers out of people. Yeah. I mean, we've got the elections, we've got racism, we've got COVID, <sighs> we've got religion. Everything, homelessness, anything, and people are work, so strong unemployment. because they're so cooped up. They're so strongly opinionated, and and the reason why I say this was such an incredible experiment because I didn't know what you were doing, and I would see what you were posting, or the questions you were you were you were bringing up, and the amount of traction and the craziness that it caused, and then people getting into attacks with other people because of what they said on your, and you were just sitting back like this. Well, I, I was egging them no, on you, a little bit, but right? But yeah, I get it. You right? would let them do their thing. You'd throw something in and then it would just go crazy with there. And I remember I would throw in a couple comments because I had messaged you personally yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'd be like, ha 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 about this, yeah, what I yeah. said. Cause I know you wouldn't take it personal. Well, I don't take anything personal. I think, but then when, yeah. when all this came out and I, and then you said what you were doing, I was like, Oh my God, all these people that were just going nuts. And you know, it's weird because people have the same answers for multiple people's posts. But, you know, the funny thing is I put up a peer-reviewed study and it got literally like three views. Nobody wants to read a peer-reviewed study. Like, what do you mean? So, a peer-reviewed study means it's a scientific study. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it's got, uh, it's, it's been read by various other scholars and it's been approved and People printed. People won't read that. People won't read it. No. Right? J- just to broaden their mind and it was, I think it was related to... Uh, COVID symptoms and flu symptoms and cold symptoms, you know, you, you know, I don't know if you know this, but like the, the flu, the cold and COVID all have similar symptoms. Right. And the death rate is fairly low, but we've, we're all fear that we're going to die. So right. you get a cough, you cough and you wear a mask, anything. I cough right now, forget it, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Right. So. Well, based on any opinion or anything you have to say right now, people are already oh. going to rip this apart and be like, well, you're not a scientist. You're not a doctor. So and that's know, who fine. are you to say? That's fine. You know what I mean? I, I, it's, it's one of those things like even a doctor, like, you know, just because someone goes to med. I mean, there's people who don't go to school at all who are super smart. I think school doesn't make you smart. It gives you an ability to learn information. Yeah. It doesn't make you smarter than yeah. anyone. I think that becomes an ego thing. I think one thing I did read one time that stood out to me is like, people ask you what you do for work so they can gauge the level of respect they want to give you. Yeah. Very right. True. Yeah. Right. And so like, if, 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 if I dress like this and someone says, Hey, what do you do for work? I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a chemist. Right. What are most people, what do you think most people tell me? Oh, you're brain mad. You're making meth. You know, like, yeah. But if I told someone like, ah, you know, I just, I work at a warehouse, I mix some powders together and ship them out, you know. Depending on how you, how you broke down uh, yeah. what you actually do. Right, right. And so I think we're always, it's weird. So it's kind of like we're looking for like this, either this level of appreciation from people or, or is it something else? I don't know, you know, but I think people want to judge, people want to judge you. So what did you get out of that experiment? that I think people are very opinionated and sometimes their opinions drive them to a level of stress 
that makes it argumentative, right? And I sit there and I go like, "What? Well, this, this Facebook is my wall. You don't have to comment. Do, do, you really Isn't don't. You, yeah. I've read many things and I'm just like, eh. You know, like I don't have to comment on that. It's good to see people's opinion. Now there's some, there's some people like I think this whole situation is brought to light who they really are. And that's crazy. And that, you know, they say some crazy stuff and they want to go around and comment crazy things. And then you just start to be like, oh, okay. Because we really don't know a lot of people that we know. Yeah, we think we do. We think we do, right? Yeah. Like, but I, like I tell people, people think they know me. Like some people are like, all you do is work out and go to the, you know, to the gym and do fights. I'm like, that's not really all I do. That's all you know that I do. Right. Yeah. But, and that's okay. Right. Because I don't like... I think my account's private or something for that reason. I don't need everyone to know my not, my life, yeah. and I don't need a million followers. Yeah, yeah. My Twitter's public if you want to follow that, but there's not much on there. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think there's something about being kind of private that's, yeah. that's important for your, your well-being. Especially now. Especially now. You know, like, obviously, like, I have a little bit more of a social media presence, you know, because I'm connected in so many different well, areas. Well, you got a but, business too. Yeah, you know? but it's yeah. still the same thing. It's like sometimes I wish I didn't, you know, yeah. like sometimes I wish, but you know, it'd be easier just to pull back and be like, it's, I just want to spend time with my family. I don't even want to be on the yeah. radar of anything. Yeah. And there's like, like right now, there's so much accessibility to people's personal information. Like if you have any type of notoriety, people are digging at you. They're looking for anything to mm-hmm. expose you as as a fra- as a fake, a fraud, and it's just it's it's mind blowing. Well, that's just the culture we've set up, though, right? That's the same reason why why people want to drive, you know, a hundred hundred thousand dollar car, right? Like, I don't I don't know, man. I'd rather spend a hundred thousand dollars on a house, yeah, and drive a Honda. I don't really care, right? But it's I think it's just what people like how people judge you based on. Uh, what you drive, what you look like, what you wear. Do you think that has something to do with how people see themselves? I think it's just, I think we're influenced by people who are not real, right? There's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of fake people that influence people, right? Yeah. And so um, just because you see somebody and they have a nice car doesn't mean they have their whole life together, Yeah. right? And sometimes I think there's no, you there's no really way to look at someone and, realize if if they have a good heart right which to me is worth a million dollars compared to someone who, right. yeah. who's not and I, I think that's really that's really what I end up finding out like I was doing this experiment you just find out that just everyone's going through something it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside yeah, yeah for sure you know I have this great analogy I always tell people um, that your life is this book and, and people want to judge you based on the page that you're on. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to flip the pages before and see all, all your struggles, right? Because they don't want to believe it. Like, they don't want to believe that this, this kid from an inner city can make it. Right. Right? Unless it's a story they see on TV, right? And, like, and I think that's, I mean, that's, to me, that was just my fighting story. That's just, I, I chose never to give up. I told people... I have plenty of opportunity to look down the tunnel and not focus on the light. Yeah. Right? But I think people judge you based on the, on the page you're on. Right? So say, let, here's, a, you know, talking about a guy with an expensive car. Now, that's me making an assumption. Now, I can also say, like, okay, there's a guy who's got a $100,000 car. Maybe he worked his whole life to buy that car, and that's what makes him happy, and that's okay. Right. Yeah, for it, sure. It doesn't bother me. Right. Right? It doesn't affect my life. He doesn't pay my bills. But it's a big difference when they've spent everything they have to acquire that car when they can't sustain any other type of life because they want to appear as but, a certain way. Yeah, but that, you know, it's, I guess it's hard to, to run someone else's life, right? Yeah, for sure. For why they feel like they need to do that. Yeah, and that, yeah. so I think part, part, um, Part of the process that makes us better people or should make us better people is understanding that, like, what someone does on their own personal time doesn't really matter to you. Right, yeah. What their orientation is, who they like, what they don't like, what they want to do, as long as it's not demeaning. But as long as we're doing this, yeah, we're going to be worried about what other people are of doing course, in their Of course, right? And we're going to try to compete with them. Yeah. Right? And we should, we should be, like you say, leveling up each other, right? We should be like, hey, man, 
Crail kind of dumb. He went back to school. I'm going to go back too. Yeah. You, you know, and I always tell people, if if you go to school and it's let's say it's a four year program and it takes you six years. Yep. Guess what? No one asks. No one ever asks. Hey, how long did it take you? Yeah, I know. Like, what would you get your degree in? Yeah. Yeah. They never ask it. They never ask, yeah. and it's like it, you just as long as you just chip away at something positive, positive yeah. every day, then I think uh, you're you're. You're on the path to to a better you. I, I would right? absolutely agree. You know, we have these conversations all the time. You know, yeah. Like, we might go a little while with, without having um, uh, a little talk to each other, but then we always catch up. Like, what's been going on? Yeah. You know, we try to catch up, and it's it's good because we're you know it's that's what it is. It's like always checking in, not only with other people, but you have to check in with yourself. I think that's the most important part, right? Just checking in with yourself. Uh, people don't want to do that because the reality and the truth. Can, can be scary as hell. And right. I, I think that in my experience, that once you're willing to face the truth, things can start to get better. Things start, are start to actually become more clear because now you can approach things with a real um, objective, you know, when yeah. things become more clear because you can face the truth now. So if I put this back on you, so let's say one of your darkest days in your life. Mm-hmm. How, how did you get out of that? So for me... It's always been, I need to figure this out for this moment, right? Like, understand this is a moment in time, right? That you've had moments in time before, and you excelled past that by not just giving into it and saying, fuck it, I give up, right? Because that's the easy route. The easy route is by going, you know what? Everything seems like there's no answer. I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to run away from it, and I'm going to do something else. That's the easy answer. Knowing that that's the easy answer... And historically, that never works well for anybody. I've been able to find like some kind of strength in that, knowing that I have a choice to right now either find a solution or accept the fact that I've been defeated while I can still have some form of a, of a chance of, okay, why am I being defeated? So now I can dissect it. Right, okay, so what what are the symptoms of what's happening? A, B, and C, okay? So now, which of these do I have control over? Yeah. Because if it's things that I don't have control over, that's a different story. But if I can actually have control over part of this, then I can change something in there. Then it comes down to, okay, do I really want to change what I can have control over, or am I going to make excuses? Yeah. And the day that I realize that I have the choice to stop making excuses doesn't matter what obstacles in front of me i can always choose to actually come out of that because excuses yeah excuses are real yeah i mean listen i get it those things are genuine like like you could have the worst thing happen to you but at the end of the day it was still an excuse for why that didn't work out for you yeah you know like the pandemic's happening right now my gym closed i packed up shop i lost everything okay was the pandemic the excuse or was it a reason for me to find a way to pivot and turn it into something else? Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. It's, def- it's, definitely, it's definitely a mindset though. It is. And you have to be willing to accept the fact that you have a choice in that mindset. And I've done years and years of self-development and like mm-hmm. the strength. And here, here's, here's something that, that a lot of people don't understand or realize. The strength that I have today is not enough for me to be able to overcome the obstacle that I'm going to have tomorrow. It's not. Yeah. It's going to give me the strength to know that I, ha- I can develop the strength to get over it. Yeah. Because every new obstacle is just as hard, if not harder, than it was before. Just like when we were a kid and we weren't able to get that toy or something. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. That obstacle was real at that time. Yeah. And it was the biggest obstacle, you, you ha- the challenge you have. Yeah. So whatever happens today, I have to develop the strength today. Yeah. Tomorrow and so forth and so forth and so forth. I, I, I don't know what kind of strength I need because I haven't been presented with that problem yeah. yet. It's weird, right? Just when you look at, when you look at uh, situations like that and obstacles that come in our lives. Now, sometimes we create those obstacles. <laughs> I'd say right? a lot of times. A lot of times, right? When, and I think I always tell people like part of the problem is just owning it. Like, okay, man, I messed up. I, yeah. You got to level up. You, yeah, you know? It's you got to level up. Yeah, yeah ownership, and it, but that that comes down to just more knowing yourself, right? And uh, I think but martial that takes arts forever, though. But that's why I was gonna say yeah. martial arts is one of those things that once you've 
learn that you're a martial artist, you're a martial artist for life. Yeah. And it's because it's the constant chase of improvement of that art which forces you to keep improving because just like you're going to school, there's no way you can unlearn the things that you learn. So martial arts, you continuously keep learning more about either that, that art or yourself or both. And the more you learn, you can't unlearn that. Yeah. And so you'll never be the same person that you were yesterday once you've learned something new. Impossible. Yeah, yeah I think you also realize that you have, as an individual, whether you're a professor in martial arts or whatever, you have a little more effect on others. Yep. And so whether you choose that to be a positive or negative effect, that's on you, right? But hopefully, if you're a black belt, you're... you're eluding some positive responses from people helping them get better and i think that's part of the process too right now i posted something one time on social media and it really changed my perspective and um it, it was uh it was kind of a heartfelt writing and i wrote it and then it got shared like 56 times by cool. people but i didn't i didn't intend it to be shared right, right? You, were just, but, you were just honest but people were sharing it and then i it made me realize like sometimes our reach is farther than we want to believe. Yeah. Right? Now, granted, there's always going to be haters out there and people who just don't like you for whatever reason. And there's people who don't know you who just form this opinion about you, and that's fine. Right? You can't really... You can't spend so much time worrying about all those people. You have to just worry about the people who actually find benefit in who you are. Yeah, for sure. Right? But I think sometimes our reach is a little more global. So, like, I know your post... A lot of them are positive, right? And so I think uh, there's a lot of people that really need that. Right? I need it, you know. So I think people, we all need you know, it. You know, what's right? funny is um, people don't realize this, and I post a lot of the stuff because I needed to hear that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. me just literally like speaking outward. Yeah. Like you know, yes, I know it's going to impact people, but sometimes I post the stuff because like, hey, like this is what I needed right now. Yeah. And it just happens to be that the forum that I, I'm able to, to get that message out on yeah, yeah. is just there on social media but or it's a video or something. Where do you get them from, though? Like, I mean, I'm always listening to stuff. I'm always watching videos, listening to podcasts, reading books. So I, I, can, I might pick up something that, that sparked something in me. Yeah, yeah. And I'll write. I mean, I've got a book of all these things that I write down. I'm, yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, today I needed that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And um like right now i just you, got you uh, audio books i do audio books i do um youtube i do yeah, all, all kinds yeah, yeah, yeah. of stuff what's uh, a good also, book what's a good book you recommend okay so i've got i've actually got all my athletes on this one right now and it's a perfect time for this, this is uh, relentless by tim grover okay so everybody's been talking about the docu series on netflix right now which is the last dance michael jordan's yeah. documentary I, I just wrote about it too cuz it's a great it's a great uh documentary about group dynamics yes what was interesting though is that so relentless was turned on to me probably about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Fantastic book, and I got to see from that documentary the point of when that story actually started from the book. Okay. So because Michael Jordan became so Tim Grover became Michael Jordan's trainer when Michael Jordan was on the Bulls, but they hadn't won the championship yet. So he came in in the aspect where that he started getting Michael Jordan to lift weights. Because he was getting beat up on the, um, on the okay. court. Yeah, yeah. So Tim Grover was the one that came in, and then this was that story. So the book is how he got intertwined with them. Ah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I read the book, obviously, first, and then I saw the documentary. I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually seeing the story yeah, yeah. play out. Because Tim Grover was interesting. He said that when he started with the Bulls, he projected or he pitched himself to the team. He was a guy that was just out of college okay. or something like that. And he had never really worked with those kind of athletes before. Uh, I believe that's what it was. I might be um, uh, fumbling that a little bit. But he's a now he's a trainer of the Bulls. Yes. Well okay. he, um, or just Michaels. My, well it, it became with select guys and then it became it became a mental coach as well. And so when he Pitched him. He was like, hey, give me a chance to work with your athletes. I think I can help you guys get to the championships or win the championships because they were getting so close. Yeah. And um, when they said, hey, we want to meet with you, he thought it was going to be like, okay, I'm going to go to the uh, the Bulls training center. I'm going to you know, run them through a practice. No, they took him to Michael Jordan's house. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm with Michael Jordan. Yeah. And, okay, well – I might as well do what I came here to do. And he said, yeah. um, give me 30 days. 30 days. Let me prove to you in 30 days 
that I can get you to become another level athlete, which is going to take you and the team to another level. And that was 15 years before, like, like Michael Jordan retired. Ah, okay. And so, That's you know what I mean? Cool. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And yeah. so like the way it, pl- it played out was like, that was such a major change in the psyche of what made Michael Jordan and those Bulls players, which then, if you think about it, changed Michael Jordan to become Michael Jordan, which then influenced everybody else to have become those other players. Yeah. It, it's a great, it, it's a great documentary. I watched the whole thing. I've been watching You're going to love the book. If you have it, yeah. You have, okay, I'm like, going to check it out. Like, yeah. I, I have the hard copy here. I've got, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things that when I lived the audiobook first, I have to do the hard copy. Yeah. Yeah. So, relentless. I, I think, um, I, I like uh, David Goggins' book. Awesome. Can't yeah. Break Me. Yeah. The audiobook is even better. Can't Hurt Me. Can't, Can't Hurt Me, yeah. I have both That's of those, a, too. A, yeah, I have both, too. It's a great book, too. Yeah, yeah he's, um, he's another example of one of those guys that decided he wasn't going to be told what he can't do anymore. Yeah. Like, his, his story's crazy, too. Now, he's, he's one of those guys. I just, I just listened to one of the Joe Rogan podcasts, uh-huh. and they were talking about it. They had one of these um, um, psychologists on there, and they were talking about... The, the Goggins, and now because Goggins is pretty much turned into a uh, state of mind uh, that they use as a term now. Okay. Because you have to, like, he's basically been able to touch into a part of his psyche that he can do whatever the hell he wants with his body. There is no limit. Yeah, so yeah. it's like now they're calling it like the Goggins. It uh, takes a lot of sacrifice to get there, yeah. though. I think, you know, there's also the other side of the story that they don't talk about him is. All the failed yeah, relationships, yes. all the things that he gave like, up. Like, imagine what you have to have gone through yeah. to be able to develop a callous skin. He's the one that talked about that, the callous yeah. skin. Yeah. But that's everything, right? Like, I tell people, like, even training. Like, if you're going to be, if you're going to stick to training, you're going to lose some friends. Yeah. You, you're going to miss some opportunities, and you have to be okay with it. You have to be okay with it. Yeah. I always tell people... You know this is, a, but we injuries are just a dime a dozen to us, right? But I always tell people, there's some eighty year old lady who broke her hip who never did anything her whole life. And yeah. I said, if I'm eighty and I break my hip, I'm like, all right, it was a good run. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So we have, we gave them some books. We got tons of information. Man, I don't <laughs> want to hold you up all day. Um, oh man, we, we, I appreciate we, it. We, yeah. we, will, we will keep on. Um, going on yeah, and on and on. Four um, hour podcast. What's that? I said we should turn this into a four hour podcast. I know, right? I know. You we're gonna end up just like waking up, continuing the podcast, keep going. But that just means we have to have another uh, another sit down yeah. and do it again. Um, anything else? Let's, let's we'll wrap it up. Anything else you want to give uh, the people out there? No, man. Just um, try to focus on the positive aspects of life. You know what I mean? And I think one really important thing is don't be afraid to check people or get checked yourself. And I think sometimes we need that, right? Like, if you see your friend doing something you don't think is wrong, make sure you let them know, right? But do it in a way that's not condescending. Right, yeah. And when somebody checks you, yeah, sometimes it hurts our ego a little bit. But at least for me, when somebody tells me something, I like to to think about it for a day, analyze it, take it apart, and then make my moves, right? And I think sometimes we have to realize, like, your ego can kill you. So if you lower your ego a little bit and listen to what people are saying, maybe you can make a change for the better. Right? It's awesome. Yeah. But well, I thank appreciate you, sir. it, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship, your knowledge, everything that you give to uh, to martial arts. And, thank you. Um, you know, just uh, keep on your path. I wish you nothing but best of luck. And um, I, we will definitely have to get you on again. Yeah, thank you so much. My man. All right. Boom.